when I was 25 and a half, I started a podcast. The goal? To review some of the newest and the latest movies, along with some other stuff. With the help of my guests, I was able to do this, but there were dark forces tampering with my podcast and with me. They called it an improvised podcast for some reason. I eventually found help in the form of myself. Yes, the me from a universe where the movies I reviewed got delayed. Apparently, my podcast made it to his universe. I know now that it is my duty, for the good of that universe, nay, the multiverse, to keep recapping and reviewing these movies, to hold listeners over until they could eventually see the movies as they were made in their world. For some reason, they come out differently in my world, but it's kind of entertaining that way. My name is Steven Schinder, and this is Delayed Replay. Hello, listeners. This is Steven Schinder. Welcome to another episode of Delayed Replay, that podcast where we recap slash review some movies. Uh, this... I'm going to edit that part out. <laughs> this week, we are talking about Coming to America. That's right, the sequel to the 1988 comedy film Coming to America, but with a T.O. Um, and joining me again uh, is Greg, the president of University of Sussex Sci-Fi and Horror Society. Uh, that's a mouthful. Um, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm good, thanks. It's it's tough. It's a tough life at the moment with all you leave and everything. But hey, hey, what can you do? Right. So I guess we can start by going over like our thoughts on the first film uh but but first of all um i don't think i told you this but the first time i ever watched the first uh coming to america was i think i was 10 and like my brother had seen it and so he was watching it on tv but it was in spanish so <laughs> what <laughs> yeah because <laughs> there were a couple channels uh, that are in spanish um on the TV, and so, yeah, I saw a chunk of the movie in Spanish before I later eventually saw most of it, I think, in English, um, and then I didn't watch it in full until, like, before watching the second one. Um, that's, that's like when I first saw Jurassic World. I saw it on a trip to Spain, um, a school trip, and we went to the cinema, there and yeah we saw Jurassic World and there was no subtitles or anything obviously so I had no idea what was going on <laughs> so I had to wait to watch it at home <laughs> I mean that's just me with any Jurassic movie I have no idea what's going on except there are dinosaurs and everyone's scared <laughs> yeah I did not get the story one bit <laughs> all I got was like oh yeah they're running away from dinosaurs <laughs> Right. I, I did enjoy the second season of Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. I thought that was fun. I didn't need to watch those animated shows, like the Fast and Furious one. Oh, I yeah. I didn't need to watch that. Yeah, that, I've been like recommending that to you. It's really funny. Oh, is it? Yeah. Like, like it's funny and it's action-packed. It, it's like, you, you know, the Fast and Furious movies are, are 
kind of tough to take seriously if you really try to, but it's like in an animated series, it's like it works for me. Yeah. And I just love the characters in the show. So what were your thoughts when you first watched the original Coming to America? Um, It felt very outdated. Like the, some of the jokes didn't land well, and some of the dances, and yeah, it, it doesn't hold up today whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> like, like when I, the last time I watched it, I, I remember thinking that the first half hour or whatever it was, was kind of hit and miss, like, and yeah, it had those like outdated jokes that didn't age very well. And for me, it didn't really get interesting until uh, Keem and Semi start working at McDowell's. Yeah, Semi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and yeah, and, and this is kind of a tangent, but my parents uh, originally met while working at McDonald's, uh, not to be confused with McDowell's, uh, back in the late 80s. And so... It's kind of weird because, like, without McDonald's, uh, my brother and uh, I guess myself as well would never have existed. So, in a way, this podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. <laughs> that might be the only reason I would ever go to McDonald's is just to say, oh, yeah, I've, I've been here because I just do not like McDonald's. Not to disrespect the McDonald lovers out there. <laughs> I just don't. Okay, then I, I think I know what your answer is going to be to this segment that we're going to oh, do yeah, tor- toward the end. Um, <laughs> or or we could do it now, I guess. Um, it's it's um, I don't know if you listened to the Bob's Burgers, the movie episode of, of Delayed Replay, but me and my friend Zach did a segment on that. Uh, it was a variation of something he does on his podcast, IPC. Uh, it's called BBQ Watch, but in this instance, it was Bob's Burgers Quarantine Watch. And the premise was, I basically listed a few different burger places and was like, would you quarantine for 12 hours from dusk till dawn in this burger place with these characters from this show or movie, even if it were being attacked by some sort of threat that I included? Um, so for McDowell's... Um, <laughs> would you quarantine in it for 12 hours you know you could try out the food but the catch is that the town is being attacked by um i don't know every samuel l jackson character so like what well, could you risk as long it as the keem is there i'm fine <laughs> oh as long as the keem is there yeah as long as, long, as long as the keem and semi are there like I feel like they right because of this crack some jokes fighting skills. Oh, <laughs> the jokes. <Okay. laughs> and yeah, they beat up Samuel Jackson. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I probably wouldn't risk it because you know, if it's every single Samuel Jackson character, you know, you've got Mace Windu who can use the Force. It's like, yeah, yeah, I... but he fell off a huge building and died. <laughs> So how much good use is he going to be? But, but like McDowell's is on the first floor. Like it's not. Yes, but he never. He didn't get that far. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I guess the end result is that you would risk it, but I wouldn't. So uh, I mean, the food is basically just McDonald's. Like we saw um, 
the dad, uh, like Lisa's dad, just basically uses a McDonald's operations manual and is like just basically plagiarizing the whole thing. Well, there wasn't, it's not a food recipe book, it's just how to use the McFlyer machine or whatever they had the McDowell's um, dowry machine. Right, it's so that people <laughs> can read it and know not to go in the smoothie machine like Ed does in Good Burger, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, if you make more good uh, Bob's Burger jokes, I will not get any of those. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think my grandpa was also like the manager of the McDonald's at the time, like in the late 80s. And it's weird. Are you sure he wasn't in coming to America? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird because like coming to America came out like around the same time. But I don't know if like my parents met in like 88 or maybe it was 89. Like I'd have to ask them. Uh, maybe I'll. I mean, the, similarity, the similarities in this movie coming to America is very. Very similar to your life. Yes, because <laughs> my life is like the first half hour of my life is like the jokes, are, the jokes aren't that great, but then like eventually <laughs> some of the jokes do get pretty good. Yeah, your puns just keep on coming. <laughs> yeah, I, I just love how much Ted groans at my puns. It's like I, I'm not very used to that happening with people, so it makes for a nice foil. Like, it's a nice change in dynamic, you know? It's not that they're bad. It's just... They're too too good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why did I think of that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like we've ex- established in our group, I, bas- I think someone said I basically use puns to establish dominance or something i don't know that is exactly what you do <laughs> sure why not <laughs> um but but yes i mean i assume that listeners have already watched the first movie so we don't need to spend too much time on it uh yes yeah, spoilers yeah spoilers for <laughs> everything um so this one picks up like 30 years later and of course uh Akeem and Lisa are like about to become like king and queen because I guess they can't become those until like uh, King Joffe, you know, James Earl Jones's character dies. So he's like dying and his wife has been dead for a while. And uh, the catch is that in order for uh, someone to rule Zamunda, uh, it has to be a male heir. And so he tells them, like, on this, while he's, like, ailing on his, like, deathbed, he says that Akeem has a son in Queens that he didn't know about. Like, he found this out recently. Um, I thought that was a bit weird. Like, kind of felt like a retcon, you know? Yeah, because I just... It's just to get them to go back to Queens. Yeah, and and I should mention that at the beginning of this movie, there's, like, this flashback to, like, during the first movie. It's, like, after the subway scene, but before Akeem goes back to uh, his home country, uh, where he's, like, at a bar and he meets Leslie Jones' character, and he's, like, super depressed, and then they kind of hit it off and then uh, have some wine and just pretty much have, like, it's like a one-night stand sort of thing. Uh, what did you think of how what they did to make 
Eddie Murphy and, and I guess Leslie Jones look younger for this scene. It was quite well, well done, I think. If you've seen The Irishman, it can be done very well. And unlike um, in The Mandalorian, it actually looked good. Yeah, because <laughs> that that guest appearance in the season two finale did not look very good. It looked like a video game. Yeah, it was nasty. <laughs> Um, <laughs> as for The Irishman, I still haven't seen it yet. It's, it just feels really daunting because of how long it is, you know? Yeah, it is very long, but it's, it's, oh, Martin Scorsese. Is it, what is it? I think it's a Scorsese movie, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But it, yeah, it's also... He makes it go quite quickly. Oh, but, but it's also like a gangster movie, and I don't normally, like, look for gangster movies, um... But my dad like swears up and down that like I need to watch it. Yeah, if you've seen, you haven't seen Goodfellas, have you? Uh, no, I haven't. Yeah, if there's one thing you need to do, it's Goodfellas, and then The Irishman if you want to. But yeah, The Goodfellas is one of Scorsese's. Right. Probably, I would rank it as his second best work of art. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a one Scorsese film that I really love is Hugo, which is based on a book and is about um th- this kid who meets this uh filmmaker who like left the filmmaking industry. Um I forget what the filmmaker's name was, but it's it's like there are like these silent films and it, it's a really great movie. I have seen it. I can't remember much of it though. Yeah, because the filmmaker was like a real life person, so it's the movie's like historical fiction. Um, George May Lee, but yeah, it's that was a great movie. Came out, uh, well, came out in 2011. I remember seeing that in the theater, and I was like mesmerized by the visuals. Yeah, my my favorite, um, Scorsese movie has got to be Shutter Island, like, I've seen that movie. Well, second time quite recently. And watching it a second time, you can appreciate it so much more. It's so perfectly acted. Leonardo DiCaprio is perfect. Mark Ruffalo is very good in that as well. Yeah, I've seen that one. It's really good, really well acted. And it has like that eerie mystery vibe. It's it's really good. Yeah, you don't know what's going on. And it's like... Yeah. Um, I also just scrolled through my feed and like a friend just shared a picture of chicken tenders with French fries and now I'm kind of hungry. But anyway, um... well, <laughs> you gotta wait. You gotta wait till later. Yeah, because it's impolite to eat during the stream or recording, rather. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that did kind of feel like a retcon, but like you said, it's so that to set in motion the events of. Uh, you know, Akeem and Semi going back to America, and Semi's like, oh, hell no, because he doesn't want to go back. Um, and of course, Akeem and Lisa have a discussion about like the one night stand thing, and he tries justifying, saying, like, we had argued, and it seemed like you never wanted to see me again. I was like without hope in that moment. I thought that little exchange was pretty believable. Yeah, the, the acting definitely got better in these in this movie than the other one. Oh yeah, the, the acting overall is better in this second movie, which was a relief because it's like, oh, I'm going into this, hope that the jokes don't 
age badly, you know. Yeah, I think because um, coming to America was before um, Eddie Murphy did Nutty Professor, right? Yeah, and that was another one so where he played multiple yeah. characters. Yeah, so he's had more experience doing that. Yeah, and he's had experience being in the comedic masterpiece that is Shrek. Yeah, Donkey is one of the best characters of all time. Yes. <laughs> you, you know, the whole thing with uh, the king being on his deathbed and saying that there's like this like younger heir that they need to find, it reminded me of Shrek the Third when Fiona's dad tells Shrek that he needs to look for um, like the king's nephew, uh, who's uh, Arthur, you know, who ends up being King Arthur. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Arthur Pendragon. Yeah. Yeah. The little scrawny kid. <laughs> yeah, so like coming to America kind of gave me Shrek the Third vibe. Yeah, I did like that when they um, reference that movie where you think, oh, this really hot guy is going to be his son, and the nerd turns out to be the scrawny kid. <laughs> right, yeah, because they find Lancelot first and assume that he's Arthur, but he's the person bullying yeah. <laughs> Arthur. Um, uh, that movie gets a bad rap, but I actually really enjoyed that one. It's still better than Forever After. um i mean i did like forever after as well but i i I mean they basically retconned um vampo stiltskin yeah like they changed his appearance but i mean if he's magical like they or i don't know it's weird because at the end of strike third like rumble stiltskin is one of the if i remember correctly he's one of the villains who decides to turn over a new leaf but then yeah. in the fourth movie, he looks completely <laughs> different, voiced by a different actor, and is, like, full-on evil. And it's like, are there just two Rumpelstiltskins? Like, is it just a common name and they both use magic? Or, like, what's going on? Maybe, like, it was, like, a sequel book. And it's come from the sequel, Rumpelstiltskin. Like, he's the the gone bad version. <laughs> yeah, and Forever After, it had its epic moments like i loved how it had like all the ogres together and in battle and whatnot but it's all yeah the chimichanga van <laughs> yeah <laughs> which i thought chimichangas came from shrek when they don't <laughs> <laughs> and and i know that people say oh that movie didn't matter because you know what ends up happening but i i think it's a good lesson for shrek the character but I don't know. I actually haven't seen that one since I saw it in the cinema back in 2010. And it was weird because I remember it was being advertised under two different titles. It was Shrek Forever After and Shrek The Final Chapter. It was like they couldn't decide which title to go with. And like later that year, Saw 7 was being advertised as like Saw 3D and Saw The Final Chapter. Or or maybe that was for the DVD release, but the it was like a really weird time, I guess. Yeah, like the new Saw movie is named like from the book yeah, of Saw. Yeah, Spiral from the book of Saw, yeah. <laughs> I, I talk- oh, that's a bit weird. Yeah, I talked about that one with Andres uh, when we were like in a room where we couldn't escape unless we recapped that movie and Escape Room 2. That, that was kind of weird. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, saw, I actually saw Escape Room quite recently. That was a very good the, the ending, kind of let it open. Yeah. For a sequel. Yeah, you've got to watch. Uh, yeah, Escape Room 2 is something. Um, and listeners, you can check out those <laughs> episodes in season one. Uh, but 
but coming back to coming to America. Um, yeah, we need to find a way to actually discern coming to America and coming to America. Yeah. So I'm thinking yeah. we do coming to America again would be how we should talk about coming to America. Or just emphasize the or two. Or just C2, <laughs> C2A or something. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just weird. <laughs> coming to America too furious. <laughs> coming to America to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> right, so so this came out in uh, December 18th. Uh, the same day that Dune came out, actually. So that was kind of weird. Um, but yeah, so Akeem and uh, Sammy uh, go back to Queens and they're on the search. Uh, but also back in Zamunda, you also have a couple other returning characters. So there's a character who was originally supposed to be Akeem's bride in the first movie, who, whose name is Imani. And like she comes back and her older brother, uh, General Izzy, who's played by Wesley Snipes here. They're kind of like trying to stir trouble because they're like, Imani was supposed to marry Akeem. We were supposed to be royalty. And so they're like antagonizing the characters who are still around in Zamunda. So you kind of got Lisa and uh, her daughter Mika going up against them. I thought that was an interesting way of shaking up the dynamic as well as I guess injecting a bit more seriousness into this comedic movie. Yeah, it it did um, help to break it up a little bit, like more bite-sized chunks of of comedy and drama. Yeah, like going into this, I was not expecting for there to be like battles between General Izzy's forces and like Zamunda forces. Like I was expecting to see like an epic battle sort of thing. It was very Endgame. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was like that sort of scale, so like with better lighting, you know. Or better to say, um, it was more like Black Panther, given that it's set in a fictional African country. Yeah, and and ju- just like Black Panther, I gotta say the wardrobe, like the costuming, was very on point in this movie. Yeah, I was kind of upset that um, Eddie Murphy didn't dress up as um, the central chocolate from from wrestling as well, because I wanted him to dress up as Central Chocolate. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I had to see who is in that movie as well. We've got Central Chocolate Return. Yeah. But also we've got the um, the barbershop people return. And surprisingly, they didn't age as much as I thought they would after 30 years. Yeah, maybe it's a subliminal message that like barber shop wife helps you age better. Might look exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, and, and they like joke around and stuff, but also like you know, acknowledge the political incorrectness of one of the guy's jokes. Um but, but yeah, it was kinda so I thought it was weird that they say that Akeem and Semi have not been back here in 30 years. Like, it's hard for me to believe that they've never been back when, like, Lisa's dad and, I guess, possibly some other family members, like, live in America, you know? Yeah, like, 30 years is quite a long time to not go back. Yeah, and I, I, 
I was glad that they did bring back Lisa's dad, uh, Mr. McDowell. Um, I can't remember what his yeah, first he was, name is. He was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. What'd you think of what they ended up doing with the whole McDowell's restaurant thing? I feel like they they added to the whole family feud thing that was going on. Like the there's basically a three a three away what we had here. And yeah, the McDowell's were just hilarious. I, 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 they were just so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and like I was surprised that the restaurant was like still around and it's like super popular because like they explain that it's become such a meme on the internet that people want to check it out. And Maurice, you know, Louis Anderson's character is like finally the manager of this restaurant. So I guess his two year plan or whatever ended up working. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I did. He deserved it. Like he had a dream and he he lived it. <laughs> <laughs> but surprised it took him 30 years, though. Yeah. Like he said, he said, he said what two years in the first? Yeah, movie? it was like a two-year plan, <laughs> but I think he said it took longer uh, when they asked him about it because they're like, "Wow, and, and it took you two years," like he said. It's like it's longer than that. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, the amount of times that they got raided by Samuel Jackson's character, <laughs> he just comes back after they've left. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what'd you think of how they brought back Samuel L. Jackson for this one? Oh, perfect. You cannot ask for a better villain. <laughs> yeah, like he he walks in as a McDowell's customer and they recognize him and he's like, no, no, I, I'm, those were my old ways. I just want a burger. And then like, instead of pulling out a gun, he uses like martial arts. And then there's like this epic fight between him and Akeem and Semi in the restaurant. Oh, it was quite cool. They had a reinforcement in the form of Morgan Freeman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny because if you listen to the the hitman's wife's bodyguard uh, <laughs> episode, like Morgan Freeman and Samuel Jackson are both in that as like father and son. Uh, so this was pretty. This was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, he recruited his dad to help him. Yeah, yeah. So th- this was a really cool scene. Uh, like, cause like they have like really cool, distinct voices, and seeing them fight Akeem and Semi, it- it's like really don't know if they're gonna win in this, but they somehow like you get this like extended, like well choreographed fight sequence between the four of them. And it's all broken up by, like, Maurice just, like, hitting a couple of them with the mop and, like, knocking them out like that. <laughs> yeah, he got he got his time to shine. Yeah, which is funny because when you mop the floor, the floor ends up shining. Yes, like, floor, like, mid-level employee. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> yeah, so, so they continue their search for... Um, Keem's son, his name is Lavelle, uh, he, and they find out that he's uh, bec- he's played by Jermaine Fowler, by the way, and they find out that he is a dentist. So I thought that was an interesting choice. Yeah, he made his, his way through life. He, he has a very expensive apartment and he's very well off for himself. 
and he obviously it came across that he didn't feel like he needed to be part of this royal family like was happy with his life which is kind of what the first movie was with um lisa yeah because they meet up with him as well as with uh, you know, his mom, played by Leslie Jones, and his uncle, played by Tracy Morgan. And he's like, I don't really want to be king. You know, I have a business here, but you want to have dinner? Because, like, y- you know, the he's heard the story of, like, what happened, um, and he doesn't hold a grudge against um, Akeem because, you know, he wasn't told about him. And so kind of tries to have this, like, awkward family dinner thing which was full of some really funny banter between all the characters yeah like when um they call back another another call back to shrek where you had eddie, eddie murphy say bon appetit <laughs> and eddie's like you know because they're gonna stay over for the night and he's like you know in the morning i can make waffles <laughs> yeah like what donkey says in shrek or shrek 2 or whichever it was it was part of one of them. Yeah, and so he goes over to the refrigerator in the morning, tries to get out the waffles, but they're, like, frozen and thawed and stuck inside the fridge. So he tries to pull them out, and then, like, the fridge fall, tips over, and, like, he's, like, trying to clean up the mess. <laughs> Just... <laughs> it's like, oh, no, I do not want to pee in that situation. <laughs> yeah, he just got fridged. <laughs> yeah imagine if he like opened the fridge and saw a ghost like in ghostbusters and it would it would have been funny because like leslie jones was in that ghostbusters remake that you hated yeah that remake is horrible <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like like we were talking about before this movie pretty much relies on snl actors um uh, which makes sense because, you know, Eddie Murphy's roots are like Saturday Night Live. I, I thought it worked for this movie. Like, kind of made it feel more, I guess, down to earth in a way. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. And there are also like these weird shots throughout the film where, like, as they're walking through Queens, there, there are like these camera close ups of people walking by and you see their Rolex watches. It's like, wait a minute, are they trying to like advertise Rolex in this movie? Like, what's going on? Yeah, it was, it was quite blatant. Like, you're like, oh, this is taking, taking me out of this movie. I do not like this. Yeah, but I mean, I guess at least it wasn't like an overt commercial, like in WandaVision or Robocop. Oh, was there one in WandaVision? Yeah, in WandaVision, there's, I, I remember there's like a watch commercial. Um, it said Strucker. I'm guessing it's a fake, fake ad. Yeah, it, it like, like like an in-universe ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's within the fake world that they watch on the like screens. But anyway, so what do you think of like the other celebrity cameos that we got in this movie? Well, most of them I've no idea who they are. <laughs> <laughs> like here, this guy called Rick Ross, and I'm just like. Okay, cool. Go go rapper. Yeah, I, like I don't, I'm not very familiar with rap music in general, like that whole scene. But I guess Rick Ross is a huge one. Like, you know, we see him like 
like when they're randomly walking in the street and he's like just rapping at the corner and whatever and people are like super mesmerized by his rhymes and whatnot and uh semi decides that he wants to like give rap a shot and so he goes in tries to like uh throw down his own verses uh, kind of like mad verse city or mad city verses or whatever that jackbox game is called <laughs> yeah that's a really good game have you have you seen um bad boys for life <laughs> yeah the, that 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 yeah. one to me is like the only really good bad boys movie like i did like the um like the club scene it's just, it's like i feel like that that scene of the scene of Rick Ross in Coming to America felt a lot like that scene in Bad Boys for Life. Okay. Like they're, they're busy, they're busy staking and try, trying to trying to see what Samuel Jackson's doing because you know because he's the criminal mastermind in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird how big of a role they gave him in this movie, but also not because he's such a big. Act, actor now he's in high demand um yeah he just keeps disappearing yeah uh but brief brief <laughs> tangent about bad boys for life I, I i enjoy that one more than the first two because it feels more character driven it focuses more on like the relationships but i'm also kind of wish they had not called it bad boys for life because it's like if they make a fourth one where they could call that like they should have called that bad boys for life and called this third one something else <laughs> bad boys forever <laughs> <laughs> bad boys forever after <laughs> i mean i mean the the first two films i found were much more funnier though eh. like they were so funny when i watched eh. them <laughs> I didn't really find Bad Boys for I, Life that funny. I remember funny. the first one being okay, and the second one being cringeworthy and just endless action without substance. But I guess that's me. Yeah, I like my Fast and Furious. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna say I like Michael Bay. Hey, his Transformers movies, un, un unrivaled. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I know we've talked about this off-air, but Bumblebee is, like, my favorite Transformers movie, bar none, because it's more character-driven. Um, yeah, and I did not like that <laughs> one. Of course I wouldn't like that one. <laughs> right. The, the only good scene from Bumblebee was the like intro Cybertron. scene. Yeah, yeah I uh, love that, with all the original Transformers. Yeah, I hear lots of people say that that's the best scene in the movie, but I just don't care that much about it. Like, Bumblebee made me realize that I don't, like, really give a damn about Transformers fighting each other in these super huge battles. I just want a story about a well-fleshed-out human character and their car. Like... Like a kid in a mech suit. Like... <laughs> Like, um, <laughs> but, like, I don't know, Bumblebee felt like a coming-of-age, independent movie sort of thing. Like, And I really dug that vibe. But I also don't know how one could replicate that multiple times and have it be as good. Like, I don't know. And the main thing I didn't like was Hayley Seinfeld, really. And John Cena 
I just hope he, because he was in, um, he was in Fast Nine. Yeah, I, I thought he was all right in F Nine. Yeah, I'm not really a fan of John Cena as a, as an actor. <laughs> like, I'm more towards The Rock. The Rock is actually. Oh decent. yeah, I mean, The Rock is amazing. Like, my friend Dylan, um, from Trust Your Doctor, a Doctor Who podcast, has said that The Rock can make any mediocre movie at least okay or or something along those lines i don't know like like if the movie isn't really that good he can somehow elevate it to make it a bit more watchable if that makes sense yeah have you have you seen tooth fairy <laughs> yes that is iconic <laughs> such a weird movie i remember renting it from netflix back when i rented like just about anything that came out <laughs> That movie was amazing. Because <laughs> <laughs> it had it had one of those guys from like the Quinetta trilogy, whatever his name is. Oh, was it um I can't remember who was in it, but was it Simon Pegg or Nick Frost? He was the guy he was one of the um officers in the Hitler movie. Um oh, was that called the one with um Taco IT. Oh Jojo Rabbit? Yeah, the officer in that movie. The really tall guy. Yeah, I saw that movie months ago. It was really good. And, like, I was surprised how good it was. But I can't remember the actor um, you're referring to. Um, well, let me see. Let me see. Stephen Merchant. Oh, that guy, yeah. Yeah, Stephen yeah. Merchant has been in a lot of things over in England. Yeah, he's England. so good. <laughs> Like yeah. he's Ricky Gervais' buddy. Yeah, he's in a lot of his. I've seen um, Ricky Gervais, um, his Netflix TV show. He has a Netflix TV show. Yeah, where his wife died, and then like he comes to terms with it. Huh. How's it called? Yeah, because I've uh, seen a couple of his older shows. Afterlife. Okay. Yeah. He had I've never heard of this. Yes. Yeah, his wife dies and leaves him a message, and then, like, yeah. Okay, it says it's deadpan, cynical, and witty. I'm sometimes hesitant to check out things he's involved in, because, well, I mean, Extras was pretty funny, and then he ended up having a really good dramatic performance in, like, the final episode. But just in general, like, Ricky Gervais gives off that vibe where, like, it, he just seems like he thinks it's all about him. Like like when The Office, uh, the English version, was finally airing in the U.S., it, it be, each episode began with these like intros of Ricky Gervais talking about his character, David Brent, and what he, he's up to in the episode. And it's like, well, wait, shouldn't you talk about what the other main characters are up to? And <laughs> well, it's his show. Well, yeah, but it's not just him. It's also Tim, Don, and Gareth. But I don't know. But I, I thought he was rather well, perfectly cast for uh, the Little Prince movie that came out a few years ago, where he played the most conceited man in the world. Like I think that's what the character's name was: the most conceited man in the world. Is it, is it a good movie? Is it, is it an? Is it the eight? The animated yeah thing. it's really good yeah because i've been uh, a month's free um disney plus so i've just been watching all the pixar shorts and those things are insane 
Yeah. If you like, haven't seen some of those Pixar shorts. Yeah, they're like really well made. But anyway, getting back to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much you've actually spoken about coming to America and this podcast, but it's definitely isn't right. a lot. I, I kind of want to backtrack to like the rap battle between Sammy and um, Rick Ross. So I really mm-hmm. liked some of the rhymes that he threw down. Um, like, like he had some really good verses, like, I'm not liking your disposition. You should, I say you should step off opposition or whatever. Like, like he had some really good verses during the rap battle. It's like, I'm sorry, my premonition. Not get offered this deposition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like, you think that you can do a mighty flip. But the truth is, you are just a blip. It's just really good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a really weird dance battles. Step up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when Step Up to the Streets was a title? Yeah, they definitely don't know how to name movies. <laughs> yeah, there's so many Step Up <laughs> movies for some reason. I'm just like looking up how many there are. There's six. six. Holy. There's six of them. I, yeah, I of the dance. Were like three or four. <laughs> yeah, there's six of them. There's Step Up China, but I guess that's something else. So there's Step Up, Step Up to the Streets, Step Up 3D, because of course. Um, oh, that actually. That yeah, came like... out the same year as Saw 3D. That's weird. Was Piranha 3D around as well? Yeah, I remember... What year did that come out? Piranha 3D. Yeah, that also came out 2010. There's like this weird craze Jeez. for 3D like shortly after Avatar came out. Um, and then, and yeah, and then was pretty bad after that. And then you got Step Up Revolution, Step Up All In. And step up year of the dance. I think that's a China one because like year of like the like year of year of the dog. Yeah, like it's kind of funny. The next episode after this one is Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which comes out. Or... See, we're, 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 they're all linking together. These are these episodes are linking together. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's all an interconnected cinematic universe. But but yeah, that movie comes out around the time the Chinese New Year starts. Also, we're talking about coming to America during what's considered Black History Month over here. Although I think in England, October is Black History Month, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but anyway, yeah, away from Step Up and back to coming to America. Or coming back. Or, yeah, it should, it should be coming back, back to America. To the that, 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 should, that should have been called coming back to America. But having still having the two, yeah, that would have yeah, worked I so agree. well. Now that you mention it, like they should have called it "coming back to America." Like, still have the number two, yeah, put the word "back," yeah, in there. <laughs> yeah, that was so much better. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've recently been listening to a podcast called "Hello from the Magic Tavern." I've been listening to it for years, but I've finally like caught up. And there was a recent episode where like the human character tells like the magic characters from the magical land of Foon that like there's this movie called back to the future and they think that it's back to the future like with the number two so they're like wait then what was the first one called so it's like <laughs> kind of silly 
So Samuel Jackson's <laughs> character is doing lots of crimes. Like he's like robbing banks and stealing cars and also like crashing the stock market somehow. It's like he's like Yeah, he he went on Reddit and told people to buy loads of shares in GameStop. Yeah, it's it's weird how that like <laughs> happened like in the movie I guess a month before like, this happened recently. <laughs> I think that's why oh, it happened. You, like you think this movie inspired people? To yeah, that? yeah, they got it from from Dang. this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Rip, um, pioneer. But yeah, he just seems <laughs> super OP in this movie, like overpowered. But I'm also okay with it because it's Samuel L. Jackson. He can make any movie yeah. good, <laughs> and like Morgan Freeman as like his like partner in crime. It's just it's just a really good duo there. Yeah, you always had the witty banter between them, because Morgan Freeman can be very funny, like like the one-liners. Yeah, and and because Akeem is used to being a leader and like sees that like all this crime, all these crimes are being committed, he's like, we have to do something, and like, uh, but Lavelle doesn't want to get involved because he's like, you know, I got my own life, I, I'm just doing my thing, and then like. This makes Akeem really mad because it's like you're supposed to care about people, and then like an argument ensues between them, kind of causing a little bit of fallout. But what did you think of how that whole thing played out? I mean, he was basically becoming like his dad because his dad was like, "Oh, you got to be this, got to be this prince. You got to take over for me. You got to marry." And then now, now Akeem's like. Oh, you gotta be the prince. You gotta come over, and it's like, well, you're just going back on whatever thing you're trying to prove in the last movie. Yeah, and there's even a moment where Akeem, like later on, looks in a mirror and he has that realization where he's like, "No, I am my father." Then, <laughs> <laughs> and then he cuts his son's hand <laughs> off. <laughs> Yeah, like, not actually, but yeah, like, that moment in the mirror felt very blatant Star Wars reference, because James Earl Jones. And and so, um, he, like, does a call, um, like, a video call with uh, his family back home telling them what's going on, and they tell him what's going on with, like, the general and stuff, so they're pretty much keeping each other posted on everything. And it's weird because you have like this these two parallel storylines, like we talked about, you know, the the battles over in Zamunda and the more comedic crime stuff going on in Queens. It, it's really weird, but also I'm like okay with it. Yeah, it was basically Goodfellas cross Black Pants Black Panther. And it was <laughs> I couldn't have asked for a better crossover. Goodfellas, Good Burger crossover one. <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's cross Bob's Burgers. <laughs> yeah, th- there's actually this um, like straight to video show from the 90s slash early 2000s called The Wacky Adventures of Ronald McDonald. Y- you should check those <laughs> out whenever you have the chance. <laughs> well, that sounds yeah, insane. Yeah, it is. Like, like, is, like the is first, that the guy the in like the yellow five costume? minutes will tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> like first five <laughs> or ten minutes or whatever. Yeah, I'll probably give that a watch then. 
see what you're about. Right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Akeem and Semi like outfit themselves with like leather jackets to look tough as they go up against Samuel Jackson and Morgan Freeman's characters. Um, I don't think we get their character names, but it's like we don't really need to because like we just recognize them and like who cares what their names are as the characters. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so they do another like two on two fight and like this catches media attention and uh, Lavelle sees this on like the news and whatnot. And so he's like feeling really bad about not being there. And like just when uh, Akeem and Semi are like down on the ground and about to be like defeated, Akeem looks out uh, to the side and in the crowd he sees Lavelle and it feels like it's very slow motion and it feels very rocky slash Nacho Libre-esque. Like, you know, it's it's like uh, a person he cares about is seeing him trying to fight for what's right or whatever. And he's getting inspired and like summoning the strength again. And then... Lavelle tries joining the fight, but then since he doesn't have martial arts training, he kind of gets beat up a bit. And then Akeem is like, stay away from my son. And that gives him like more like <laughs> super strength or whatever. Yeah, that fight was very, very well choreographed. Like in the first movie, the choreograph wasn't that great. <laughs> yeah, because like in the first movie, <laughs> like you see him do the flips in the beginning and it's like, that's kind of cool, but there's also something that feels very artificial about this. Yeah, because that wasn't him. Right. Like, that def- <laughs> definitely... <laughs> that definitely was not Eddie Murphy doing those flips. Yeah, whereas by the time of this sequel, he's mastered being able to do flips by himself. Like, I think he even said yeah. in, in... I think he even said in an interview that he said he would never do a sequel unless he until he mastered the flips and so like once he did that like i guess they just pitched this and then greenlit it yeah it took him 30 years yeah to master the flip yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of like taking 30 years to master cooking at mcdonald's or something Hey, McDonald's, you have to be very dedicated. Yes. You, you got to be dedicated to, like, <laughs> flip the burgers, you know? The, the art. The flips. The art of the burgers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there, there's even, like, this weird artsy sort of thing that they do where, you know, side by side, you see on one half of the screen, it's Akeem doing the flips, and on the other half, it's uh, Maurice flipping burgers at McDowell's and they're kind of like in sync <laughs> like the music is in sync with it as well <laughs> yeah and then well because Maurice um, uses his experience in there to help fight obviously because that spatula can real deal, deal some yeah when he finishes flipping the burgers he like runs over because this is like right across the street and he like uses a spatula which is like really hot at the time and also greasy. So like 
later on when we see Samuel Jackson and Morgan Freeman uh, when they're arrested, we see like like some acne forming on their faces. <laughs> Real fast <Yeah>. acne. <laughs> too fast to acne us. Um, fast and fu- um, fast and furious acne drift. Yeah. <laughs> or Ice Age continental acne. <laughs> Ice Age continental. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there there is a trip. I I actually do. I actually have followed the Ice Age movies. <laughs> Same. The first one for kid is horrifying. <laughs> I mean, I don't have a problem with how the kid looks, but like the first one is easily the best one, and then second one was fine, but not as good, and the third one was better than the second one, and was really good. Um. Continental Drift, the fourth one, I thought was a step down. Like, I think it's my least favorite. And then for a while, I, did, I didn't watch the fifth one, A Collision Course, until it ended up on Disney+. Plus. And so I went ahead and watched it, and I was surprised that I enjoyed it as much as I did. Still not as good as um, the first three, probably. Like, I did enjoy it more than... Continental Drift, at least. Yeah, the weasel in that movie was yeah. so good. Oh, Buck. Yeah. Simon Pegg's yeah. character. <laughs> that was so good. Like, when they were in the uh, the skeleton, and they were, like, laughing. Yeah, I, I heard he's <laughs> getting his own Disney Plus series. What? Buck? Yeah. It's, it's called The Adventure... It's called Ice Age Adventures of Buck Wild. Oh, that'd be so good. Oh, it might actually be a movie. So, I think it's coming out, like, next year. Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to watch that. Because I think they figured out that uh, no matter what the quality of an Ice Age movie, Buck is such a breakout character. Like, you can't go wrong with him. Yeah, he was really good in that. Right. Uh, but yeah, so, fight ends, and Lavelle and... Akeem come to an understanding. Oh, what do you think of how they resolved the whole like family thing with like the heir to the throne storyline and all that stuff? But it felt a shafted like the last one. Like you remember, you remember when Lisa and Akeem get married, and she just completely forgets all of them all. Yeah, it's like really weird how quickly that whole thing is resolved. It, it felt like they just wanted to finish the movie, and I, I get that like. They wanted to like keep us surprised that like Lisa shows up at the wedding, but so like having built up to it might have like spoiled that. But it just didn't feel as authentic. Like it didn't have as much build up as like I don't know the wedding stuff in the first Shrek movie. If we're comparing this to Shrek, yeah, we can compare anything to Shrek just because it's got Eddie Murphy in it. Yeah, so. Yeah, it was really weird how, like, Lavelle was like, you know what, I do want to be king, because I was expecting uh, Mika to be the queen by the end of it, but it's it feels like nobody learned anything, really. Yeah, it's kind of like a stalemate. Yeah, and speaking of which, they do, like, defeat um, General Izzy and Imani as well. So those battles were like very epic with all the flips and stuff, but 
Yeah, so like you got both of these storylines resolved and I should backtrack. We found out that Imani and her brother had actually like poisoned uh James Earl Jones's character, the king, and that's why he was like on his deathbed. So Yeah, that was that's a very good twist. I like that. Yeah, it was it's kind of something that one could have predicted, but it wasn't really on my mind when um I was like watching the movie. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so James Earl Jones' character passes away, and then they, like, crown the new king of Zamunda, and Mika uh, looks ha- happy. She's glad to, like, know her, like, half-brother, I guess, and it shows that they, we see them getting along, having fun conversations, and it's like, oh, wow, these are going to be a cool, like, sibling duo causing comedic mischief or whatever yeah we, we did kind of get them like a first credit scene yeah when they like pull a prank in like the place where everyone's gathering and like uh throw glitter bombs on everyone <laughs> and it's like <laughs> like they have glitter fall down on everyone and it's like that made me feel uncomfortable because of how hard it is to get glitter off you know yeah you're like that's never coming out <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, glitter is worse than sand. Yeah, it gets everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Not like here. It's coarse, it's irritating. It gets everywhere. <laughs> Not like here. Here everything is soft <laughs> and smooth. <laughs> Imagine if Padme had just said, well, you're not smooth at all, and just like rejects him. <laughs> It's like I want I want Kenobi instead. <laughs> and then she turns around and just goes, Hello there. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then Padme turns into General Grievous and says, General Kenobi. Because there's that thing uh, I showed you about like her her R2-D2. queen headdress thing kind of looks like Grievous's oh. mask sign. <laughs> Have you seen the R two D two one? No. Where um Kenobi goes up to RTD2 and New Hope, and he goes, Hello there. And then RTD2 goes, General Kenobi. Yeah. And then he turns into General Grievous. <laughs> yeah, I just love how Kenobi's first line in all of Star Wars was, Hello there. It's, it's just perfect. Yeah, he's got to say that in the Disney Plus show. You just know they're going to find a way for him to say it. Obviously, because it's Hugh McGregor. Hugh McGregor is a meme. Yeah. At this point, I was kind of disappointed that we didn't have a scene between James Earl Jones and Samuel Jackson because you know it's Star Wars. But then again, with the way the storylines were progressing, like it wasn't like James Earl Jones was like his character was healthy enough to travel to America. So you know, you win some, you lose some. I guess. Yeah, it was kind of sad, but you know, right. Was there a moment that you thought was like the funniest moment in the movie? I'm probably just to go with the interaction in the barbershop. Like those those characters are just hilarious. Yeah, like it really worked and one upped the barbershop scene in the first movie. Like I felt like this one was more yeah. memorable somehow. Definitely. Um, I don't know if that's because I saw it more recently, but whatever. <laughs> uh how about you? Uh, for me, the funniest scene was when Samuel Jackson and Morgan Freeman were describing their plans and how eventually they're going to attack Area 51. 
just because <laughs> they're gonna <laughs> they're like the, the internet failed but we won't <laughs> like it felt like this was thrown in last minute just to like capitalize on that whole meme yeah <laughs> that was kind of like out yeah. there, wasn't it <laughs> but like the the like, audience oof. in my theater was laughing about that I, mean, I feel like that scene probably would age the film in like 10 years time oh yeah like, if you bring, like, a PSP into a movie from, like, 2000s, you're like, ooh, that console was not good. <laughs> yeah, like, who even remembers the PSP that fondly these days? Like, saying... I mean, I've still got mine. <laughs> <laughs> like, I do remember it had a couple of cool variations. Like, I think there's a Star Wars-themed-looking one. But but you, rare, oh, but you rarely ever hear someone say... You know what? I miss the old days of like just playing on the PSP. You know, like like it. Yeah, it's it's more like Nintendo yeah, or like, like DS. Like it does whatever. have the same nostalgia factor for like Nintendo sixty four or whatever. I didn't have, didn't actually play the sixty four. The first one I got was the um the PS two. Yeah, the PS two was the first console that I owned. Um, I guess me and my brother owned it, but before then, um. Like, he had a Super Nintendo and a Game Boy. And then when we moved with our cousins, they had a Nintendo 64. And then one time we visited other cousins in Mexico and they had a PlayStation 1. Um, Ooh, yeah, but with our other, with some other cousins, we played a couple of PlayStation 2 games like Sly Cooper and Ratchet and & Clank. And we were like, okay, we're going to get the PlayStation 2. Yeah, <laughs> I have a lot of cousins, in case you couldn't tell. But Yeah, you've been long list. <laughs> uh, but I guess we can go into final thoughts for coming to America. So, Greg, what are your final thoughts and score out of 10, as well as unit of measurement for like that score? <laughs> Overall, I would say it'll probably last longer than the first one. I feel like it will stay culturally relevant. And I feel like the jokes landed much better than the the first one. So I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10 Americas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm around the same area. So I thought this was funny, definitely better than the first one, but it still hasn't gone past the problem of the first one's ending, which is that the ending felt very quick, underwhelming, kind of too easy sort of thing. Um, There were some really good jokes but I do think it could have been like there are some other comedy movies that I do prefer over this one. Uh, so for me, I'm going to give this 7.75 out of 10 McDowell's French fries. <laughs> yes. Delicious. <laughs> uh, so I guess that'll do it. Uh, thanks for joining me again, Greg. Where can people find the society you can find the society on facebook you could just search up um sussex sci-fi and horror society and our page should be there and on the facebook page should be our discord link you don't have to be part of the university of sussex to join you could be from anywhere around the world given that Stephen is from america it really doesn't matter <laughs> 
Yeah, so, so like the society could be coming to America in that sense. It's coming yeah. back from America because we don't want to be there anymore. Nice. Um, you can find me at Stephen Schinder on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Stephen Schinder, tor- but Stephen Schinder storytelling on Facebook. Uh, you can find my fantasy horror comedy novel Lemons on Like Rain on Amazon. More info on that at stephenschinder.com. I'm also on a podcast called Star Trek Culture. You can find that on Apple as well as by going to the YouTube channel for Culture Slate. Um, also writing and editing for them. And if you want to email the podcast, uh, Delayed Replay, you can email Delayed Replay Podcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you think of our coverage or just send in random thoughts about other movies we maybe haven't talked about i don't know just desperately need emails (laughs) (laughs) need someone to talk to please (laughs) please talk to me i need people uh anyway thanks again greg yeah you're welcome it's it's been it's been my pleasure same (laughs) and next time like i said earlier talking about Marvel's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. But without further delay, have a good day.